welcome back to the Pick and Mix podcast. Um, it's been quite a while since we've done anything here. Um, number of reasons for that. I think I was feeling a bit burned out on kind of debating and talking about movies for some reason. Not not seeing them. We, you know, I've seen plenty of movies over the last. Oh God knows. I think the last episode was a Black Widow one, which was beginning of August, maybe. So. We've seen a lot of movies since then. We have recorded some episodes, but I just had a bit of a burnout with it. And I was doing a football podcast as well, so kind of, um, kind of had like a bit of burnout on podcast. But I thought, you know, give it because I knew Spider Man was going to be coming out, and I knew I wanted to talk about it. So the idea would be that you know, come the new year, it'll be a fresh start. Uh, obviously, continue with the football podcast. If you haven't checked that out, it's the Dead Ball Specialist. Um, link will be in the episode description, so go check that out. Uh, support us over there, give us a follow on social media and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I I thought I, I haven't been hyped for a movie as much as Spider Man No Way Home f- for a long time. Um, obviously, everyone who listens to the podcast or knows me will know that I'm a massive Marvel fan anyway. So that comes as no real surprise. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed Eternals and Shang-Chi, uh, even Venom 2 to, to a certain extent. But um, I was you know, massively hyped for this film, so I thought what a perfect way to come back into the movie kind of review and discussion fold than to do Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, this review is going to be... It is going to be spoiler, because I think at this point everyone would have seen the film. Um, I would have got this out a lot sooner, but I've been in hospital because I ended up breaking my knee again um so i've been in hospital for four days which has been a bit of a nightmare and i'm currently waiting surgery to get that fixed but um yeah i thought i really wanted to do this one by myself at first i mean the other two lads who are mainstay on the podcast greg and greg and liam they are going to join for a full kind of discussion on it between a lot of us uh later on once you know liam's seen it. i don't think greg's seen it just yet but we are going to have a proper discussion but i thought i just wanted to give my kind of spoiler reports on on the plot and kind of go through it and think about it. I mean, in terms of my expectations going into the film, I think everyone kind of... So, by the way, spoilers at this point. If you haven't seen it, don't, don't listen to this episode. Um, but my thoughts going into the film, I mean, like I said, I was massively hyped for it. Um, the worst-kept secret in movie history was that, you know, Toby and Andrew were going to be in it. So, you know, obviously we expected those being it and other surprises as well. Um, it, and, you know, we, we knew... The, the villains were coming back, you know, Doc Ock, um, Green Goblin, Electro, Sandman. Uh, we'd seen a lizard in the trailer as well, obviously. So we knew they were going to come back. So it, it, there was a lot of hype about it and like the multiverse side of things. You know, Marvel have really been pushing on that, you know, with Loki and the other shows and things. So I've been really excited for this film. Um, and, you know, part of me was a bit worried because one of, one of my good friends... Uh, from Twitter, Rage and Sweet Potato, he always says he never goes into things with expectations because that way, you know, your expectations, you know, give you a certain kind of... Your expectations basically mean that, you know, if you're going to fill with expectations, you're likely to be disappointed. Um, so I can, I can understand that, but I did have very high expectations for this film. Um, and it did not disappoint. I think... I can easily say that this is by far, for me personally, the best live action Spider-Man film there's been. It's one of the best MCU films I've ever seen, obviously in association with Sony as they're the ones who, you know, kind of put all the money out for it and everything. But as MCU films go, I think this is probably my top three of all time. Uh, In terms of Spider-Man, I still have Spider-Verse slightly above this film just because of 
what it did and you know how it how it looked. It was like comic book brought to life, um, which you know the live actions of films have done quite well in parts, uh, and in terms of bringing characters to life, they've done very you know very good things. But I think Spider Verse still slightly edges this film out. But you know it, that's not a slight on this film at all because I think you know I, I I've always said on the podcast I never give a ten out of ten because I you know. You can't beat a ten out of ten. Ten out of ten is a perfect film, and there's always something that can, you know, that that, that you know can arguably taint your viewing or something you're not quite happy with. So I'd give this film a nine point eight. Like it is honestly like it hit it hit with me so well, uh, and that's just my emails. But yeah, I it, it really hit a, a certain chord with me. So I, I I was a massive fan of this movie. Um, in terms of like, we'll get we'll get straight into the plot. So obviously the film starts out. Uh, I think everyone's going to realize, by the way, that you know, with me doing this by myself, it's instantly people are instantly going to realize that oh, this person isn't isn't funny when he's not with other people. And not saying that I'm funny anyway, but I usually get my humor out of taking the piss out of other people. And obviously when that's gone, it shows that. I am not a funny person, so enjoy this boring episode. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the the film starts out pretty much immediately after Far From Home. Um, after Mysterio, Quentin Beck, uh, you know, frames Peter Parker for his murder. And J. Jonah Jameson. Um, J.K. Simmons, brilliant in this movie, by the way. Uh, he's not in it, you know, massively, but what he is in is classic J.K. Simmons and classic J. Jonah Jameson. And I love, like, the kind of modern modern twist they've given to, to Jay Jonah, like almost like that is Alex Jones kind of twist, that like crazy, you know, banned from every form of social media, uh, news in quotation marks pundit. But, uh, yeah, I, I love that. And obviously he, you know, he reveals to the world that, you know, Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And then you get that kind of immediate rush of everyone kind of immediately turning on him because he killed again in brackets Mysterio. Um, and, one one criticism I did have of the film is just I think the pacing throughout the first until we get the main you know point of the film where the villains are getting rounded up. Uh, I feel that like the pacing of the film at the start is it's really really quick, but I don't think it really fits. Um, like you've got those scenes where Peter's going back to school and he's got his support was obviously MJ Ned and then Flash uh, with his book Flashpoint, which I thought was a nice little Easter egg uh, for comic book fans out there, but. You had all of that um, really fast-paced, really quick, where you know Peter gets taken in to uh, get questioned by the Department of Damage Control, and they're interviewing him about the murder and about his vigilanteism, and then you know MJ, Aunt May, and Happy also get brought in, and Ned, <laughs> Ned somehow manages to be the only one who gets himself framed by saying, "Yeah, I'm the man in the chair, and I do all this stuff," and <laughs> you know it's. I think one thing that this this trilogy of films has done with with the characters is really developed them well, but also stayed true to the characters. Like the things they do, apart from a couple of things, they all seem very much within you know what that character would do. Um, and the development's been what you'd expect of those people. So it's I think you know the writers and director John Watts really needs like big credit for that because I think it's it's really really good. Um, but yeah, so obviously they get they get interviewed and then you've got. The scene where it's Matt Murdock, so you know, ma- massive thing straight away. I think everyone kind of knew because of the photos that leaked from the John Campier show, 
and you know other rumors and then Kevin Feige coming out saying if we were to do Daredevil it would be um, Cox and he, you know he, he comes in and he's he's barely in it. I mean I would have liked to see a bit more of that like the whole thing you know this whole trial where Matt Murdock is Peter, you know defense Peter Parker I think it's from the Civil War storyline if I'm correct if I'm wrong Kate come on Casey would know um, one of a, another friend from Twitter but he yeah he it's a really good storyline and I feel that like. I get why they don't want to focus too much on the Daredevil thing, because it is, you know, f- for what purpose it is. It's a, a way of introducing them, but also it's like a bit of a, a nod for the the Marvel TV show fans. Um, but it would have been would have been nice, I think, to have a bit more of him because it's it's a very flash in the pan scene, um, and it, it was where the brick gets thrown through the window and he catches it. It's such a good moment, but then Peter just looks at him and he's like. You're just a lawyer because I'm a really good lawyer. It's a great line, but I was like, Peter has been around all of these different people who have different superpowers and whatnot, and he doesn't think to kind of press a bit more. Um, but yeah, that that's it. Um, and my thoughts on that scene. Uh, the film then kind of like rushes through all of the applications that they've, you know, MJ, P- uh, Peter, and, and Ned have got for university, well, I suppose college in America, but university and all of the applications are rejected and the final one comes through and it's from MIT, you know, and they all really want to go there and, and they are, you know, they're rejected and Peter can see, like, how much is it's really upsetting MJ and Ned and, you know, I think one thing this film does amazingly is is the emotion throughout the film. It really, a lot of Marvel films are kind of criticised for not having stakes and I feel that this film has a lot of stakes and it, it doesn't pull his punches at all, which it, which is which is great to see. Um, but yeah, and then Pete is reminded of Doctor Strange by the little Halloween decorations in the ice cream parlor, I think it is. I'm not really sure. It's like a bar slash ice cream parlor, cafe. I'm not really sure what that's meant to be. But yeah, so they're in there and then Peter goes to see Doctor Strange at Sanctum Santorum. But he's no longer the Sorcerer Supreme. I actually thought that was a really funny scene with... Um, with Wong and you know it's the sanctums in like you know knee high snow or whatever and he goes along and I mean there's a bit of uh, skullduggery there though from Marvel you know they've done it before with trailers like with the Infinity War trailer I think it was where we see Hulk in the trailer running towards you know the the horde uh, you know fantasy hordes but then it turns out that it's actually Bruce in the you know the Hulkbuster outfit but in this one, they kind of changed a few things up where it made it look like Doctor Strange wasn't supposed to perform the spell and he's gone against Wong's wishes. But, he, um, you know, obviously he does get Wong's blessing, uh, who is now the Sorcerer Supreme after Doctor Strange blip. Again, I don't expect that to last very long into Multiverse of Madness. I think something's either going to happen to Wong or Wong's going to, you know, hand it over to Steven. Um, but, but by the by, at this point, Wong goes off on... Uh, you know, in his little portal, and Stephen and Peter head down to, I can't remember what it was called, but they head down to that little cellar to perform the spell, and as Strange is performing the spell, I mean, you would have thought that, you know, Strange is a really smart guy, um, arrogant, but smart, but you thought he would have asked that before casting the spell, you know, is there any amendments that you'd like me to make to the spell, because this is going to make everyone forget that you are Spider-Man. And, also, I think as plots go, I know there's a lot of people who pick holes in plots. I personally feel that, you know, yeah, it was a bit of a pain in the ass for Peter to have to tell everyone, but realistically, 
it would it have changed his relationships too much if he could just had to go back and tell them like if he was happy for those people to know who knew he could just go back and say to them like listen I'm Spider-Man. This is this is where we're at. It wouldn't have changed his relationship with MJ because ultimately she wasn't with him because he was Spider-Man in the end. Obviously, obviously it, it had some defining moments in a relationship, but I think they would have still been together had that spell changed. She just wouldn't have known he was Spider-Man. So I think it was a bit naive of, of Peter to, to kind of go along and ask, you know, and start asking Strange to change the spell mid-spell. But as he does, it kind of ruptures the spell and... Everything goes to shit, but Strange manages to contain it in this little little box thing. Um, one thing I really liked was that moment where Strange kind of <laughs> Peter reveals to Strange that he hasn't even called the university to kind of challenge the decision on them not being let in because he's Spider Man, and um, he was like, "What? Well, I can just call them?" And <laughs> I was like, "That's so that is so funny because that is totally what a kid of that age would have done." Like, had I when I was applying for uni, if I'd been rejected from both my choices, like. I personally wouldn't have rang them up and said, you know, I mean, obviously I'm not Spider-Man, so it's not the same thing, but I wouldn't have rang them up and been like, okay, um, this isn't fair. I, I probably would have just accepted it. My parents might have told me to carry on but and, and, and challenge it. But I think at, at this point, no one's kind of thought to do that. And I, I think that's quite a real, realistic reaction to it. I think I'd probably have just accepted it. Um but yeah, I, I like that quite a lot, and um, it's a funny scene. So obviously, then Peter calls Flash um, to to ask him you because know, he's at an MIT party, and he's like, "Right, okay, can you tell me if there's anyone there that I can speak to?" And it turns out that person has left and run away to the airport. So Peter goes to try and convince it, and this is the, the scene we see from the trailer where Doctor Octopus comes as he's talking to the MIT lady, and uh, he try you know he attacks Peter, thinking that he is. Peter Parker of his universe and Tobey Maguire's Peter but you know during that fight uh, Doc Ock steals some of Peter's nanotech from his suit and absorbs it into his mechanical arms which allows then Peter to take his you know kind of take control which I thought was a really neat little trick but um, and, and clever because I personally when I saw that in the trailer I assumed that the arms were going to you know whatever you know the issue with the chip in the back of Doc Ock's network is going to be fixed due to the nanotech but there's a nice little twist that they did to allow Peter to take control of the arms and again I think one thing that people have always said about Spider-Man um you know the main kind of thing you see my main consensus is that Toby is is everyone's favorite but then you've got Tom Holland it's a perfect blend of Peter Parker and Spider-Man whereas Toby was a good Peter whereas Andrew Garfield was then a good Spider-Man and Obviously, a load of different opinions on that, but I don't necessarily fall within that. But that tends to be what the the consensus is, um, and I feel that like Peter's, you know, Tom's Peter in in this and his Spider Man are really on point in this movie. Um, really develops, and you know, the way he laughs like when he's taking Doc up Ock back to the to the main part of the bridge is 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 really really clever. And then obviously it allows the MIT woman to see that he is. He is a hero, um, which I think even despite, I mean, there's multiple eyewitnesses that would have been able to attest that Peter isn't a villain, and I find the whole idea that he, that you know everyone was on the serious side a bit a bit thin, but you know it it allows her to see that he is a hero, um, and then as as Green Goblin starts to come down, he throws his little bomb down, and he's on his way down through the smoke. Doctor Strange zaps him back into the Sanctum Sensorum and he's already caught uh, Kurt Connors as the lizard. Um, one thing as well 
and not a criticism because there's nothing they I don't think there's anything they could have actually done about it. But the Sandman in this film and also Kurt Connors, like you, they've obviously taken footage directly from Amazing Spider-Man and the Spider-Man 3 and just used that whenever they're in a human form because the actors couldn't get to where they were filming due to the COVID restrictions as far as I'm aware. And they are quite jarring scenes because like obviously we all know those scenes and we know like, you know, the, the moments uh, that those clips are taken from and it, it, it's part of... It's weird. It's part. It's part of the film where it really just kind of take. It took me out of it a bit, I must say. Um, but obviously, the voice acting was was spot on. Um, yeah, Kirk Connors is there. He's already been caught by Doctor Strange, um, and Strange explains to Peter that because of the corrupted spell, it summoned everyone who knew. Well, it's starting to summon everyone who knew Spider Man. Spider Man's identity from other universes, in you know, other universes, into this one. Um, Again, people have had problems with this one because they said that, you know, maybe Electro didn't know the the identity of Spider, you know, of Spider Man. But I'm pretty sure he might he might not have known Andrew Garfield's face, but he might have known, you know, Peter Parker was Spider Man. I mean, I'm sure that Dane DeHaan, I think it is uh, his Goblin, would have probably told him that it was Peter, and obviously he was calling Peter during that fight. So um, there's a chance that he knew that anyway. Um, but yeah, so basically. Strange says to him, you need to kind of go and collect these other villains that are still out there, bring them back here so I can send them back to their own universes and, and, and all of this kerfuffle. Um, Peter says, yeah, yeah, sure. That's absolutely fine as long as you, you know, let me use MJ and Ned. So MJ and Ned come into Sanctum Santorum. Um, you get that Scooby-Doo this shit, which, I mean, the humour in the Marvel films is, you know, it's, it's got its, its style, which is fine. But I feel like there was two jokes in this film that really didn't hit for me. They felt really out of place. And it was the Scooby-Doo this crap one. I just, I just didn't... I, it just didn't feel like a Doctor Strange joke. It didn't feel like Benedict Cumberbatch joke. It felt kind of really out of place. And then also the scene where, you know, they bring Ned and MJ down uh, into the, into the, the, the cellar of the Sanctum. And they're speaking to... It was in the trailer. They're speaking to Dr. Octavius. And they're like, hang on, what's your name? And he's like, oh, Octavius. And they all laugh. And I was like... You've literally got a man who's just helped you called Stephen Strange. You know, it just it just didn't it didn't really seem like I don't think they'd find it that funny. It doesn't seem that out of the blue. Um, even you know, and I get I get obviously they might find it funny because he's like an octopus and he's got you know he's called Octavius, but I just, I just thought it was kind of silly. Uh, and it, it didn't really land for me that joke. But yeah, and then. We also get the seeds planted. Ned said, "Oh my, you know, my grandma says that there's magic in our family." Blah blah blah, and uh, strange, you know, strange kind of shakes him off. But that is what it is. So Peter then goes off to capture Max Dillon and Flint Marco, uh, Sandman and Electro. Electro, I think Jamie Fox in this. I mean, they've obviously altered the way he looks because he's made himself to be the way that he would see himself. Uh, I think that's the way they've kind of written it off. Uh, but he's saying that the energy feels different and he likes it here. So he's or he was, you know, obviously apart from other things that we'll get to later in this review, but he's obviously the main, one of the main kind of troublemakers in the group of villains at the moment because Octavius, while he's angry, and he, I don't think he, he ever really wants to stay, you know, and I, I never really get that major impression of him when, he, when he's like the evil Octavius. Um Flint Marco just wants to get back to see his daughter. 
Um, and he, I think because obviously when he comes along, he's one of the only villains that doesn't die. Um, him and Kirk Hans are the only ones who don't die following, you know, them get, you know, where they were taken from at that point in time in their universe. And I feel that, you know, Flint, he is, he's not, it's hard, isn't it? Because he's, he's a bad guy who's a good guy at the same time. Uh, he's a victim of his own consequence, you know, consequences. But I feel that with Sandman, I really liked him in this, even though we couldn't really see. Uh, is it Thomas Hayden Church? Oh, I think I've got that name right. I don't know. But, um, he, yeah, we don't really see him, do we? And I feel that even though we don't see him, we get we get a good amount of his character. And I really, you know, Sandman was one of the best parts of Spider-Man 3, despite that film being a bit of a car crash. Sorry, Liam. Um, but, yeah, that. so he captures him. He, he helps him at first, but then he thinks that when Spider-Man zaps uh, Electro back to Doctor Strange's, Sanctorum, he thinks that, you know, you've just killed him, I'm going to kill you, and then he saps him back as well. And the tree as well, which is obviously the sixth member of the Sinister Six. Um, but, yeah, I think at that this point, this is where the film really starts coming into its own for me. I really enjoyed that bit. Um, and, you know, I think Jamie Foxx is, I've said it already, I think he's really strong in this film. I think his humour's good. Um, thank God they stopped him being blue. I, I, it's just like I do not want to see Electro as a Smurf ever again. Uh, fuck that, absolutely not. Um, but yeah, so at that point, Peter then gets a call from Aunt May. Um, you know, Osborne. We've seen him. We've seen him kind of hide in the glider, and he smashes the the Green Goblin mask, which I think everyone was kind of cheering a bit because it means we're going to get to see Willem Dafoe. Um, and you know, if you if you hire Willem Dafoe, I never understood this from the first Spider-Man. If you hire Willem Dafoe, don't cover his face because his face is the reason you hire him. Like he's, it's such a, his his facial expressions are so so good. Like you don't want to miss that. And I feel that them smashing the mask was a bit of a f you to what they did in the Raimi film. But Goblin obviously goes to a feast building, which is where May's working, uh, and May kind of helps him out, I guess, uh, before Peter helps. He, he arrives and he kind of thinks, oh my God, it's going to be trouble. And then it's the real Norman, um, albeit being misled by the goblin, but he's there and he's like, he doesn't know what happened. And Peter kind of bonds with him a bit. And it's a really nice scene because I think Willem Dafoe is fantastic in this movie. Like, he's absolutely brilliant. He plays the soft, confused old man, like, you know, very, very well, but then also plays... The villain's so so good. He's so menacing, and that juxtaposition of character, like he he, he flits between us so easily. It's it it needs to be talked about, and and he's fun. He's so so good. Um, but yeah, there's that moment where like Peter and May's constantly throughout this, you know, throughout the parts where she's in the film, is like kind of Peter's conscious, and she's the reason why this the rest of the events really happen. I mean, realistically. Peter should have had no issue with sending them back to their universe because Doctor Strange explains to him that, you know, I the multiverse is unknown. We don't know what happens. You know, this could end our universe if we allow these people to come through or stay here. We don't know how fragile the you know, the you know, we don't know how dangerous it is. I've contained the spell for now, but we don't know how long that can last or what can happen if it breaks. And at that point you'd think Peter, having been to space and battling everyone, realizes that, you know, 
these guys are bad guys. We need we need to send them back and save our universe because there's millions of people, billions of people around the world who will suffer otherwise. And he doesn't, and obviously May's partly to blame for that because she's like, you know, we need to help them. Like he's confused, he's he's broken, he's mentally not there. We need to help, and she's consistently reminding them of this. And it's the reason I think why, you know, we have the issue. He, you know, Peter has the issues later on, when when the villains ultimately turn against him, but. Is that lovely scene where he's talking to uh, Aunt May, and you just see um, Norman Osborn just stealing a load of like donuts or whatever and stuffing them in his pocket? And I was like, at that point, you should know. When he starts stealing the donuts, you should fucking know that <laughs> he's not good. He's thieving. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just Willem Dafoe, man, so so good. Um, so he brings he brings. Uh, the goblin back to well the goblin at this point it's Norman Osborn brings Norman Osborn back to the Sanctus Um while you know that all the baddies start dis- discussing their battles with Spider-Man and realise that you know at the point where they're about to return they all die um, and then they're all saying to each other that you know you're dead you're dead because obviously Jamie Foxx knows Kurt Connors Octavius and um, and Goblin know each other and Otto realizes that you know he dies, but also he Norman realizes he dies as well. Um, and Strange starts to prepare a spell that will send the villains back to their universes. But then Peter starts to argue that they should try and cure them first of their villains' powers, so they can go back and you know not die upon their return to the universe. Um, and it's obviously because of Aunt May and what, what he said, and he's guilt. You know, I think. One really nice thing about this film is that it gets Spider-Man because Spider-Man doesn't want anyone to die. He pulls his punches. I mean, they literally say it later on. He pulls his punches. He doesn't. He doesn't want to hurt anyone. He wants everyone to be okay. And I think at its core, that is what Spider-Man and Peter Parker are. So I think it does. It it, it does kind of fit the character, even if it is silly. Um, but then you have that beautiful scene where basically Peter steals the box. Uh, from Strange as he's going to press the button and there's that whole mirror dimension scene you get where Peter gets his body pushed into the astro uh, the astral realm I think it is I can't know what it is but whereas he gets what's done to Hulk and Strange in, in previous films where his spirit gets knocked out of his body and the whole the whole scene where they're chasing each other and, and it's just it's just so so beautifully done um, and I feel that you know Scott Derrickson did a great job with Doctor Strange. But I feel that what's apart from the Scooby Doo stuff, I feel that like this is the most Doctor Strange Doctor Strange we've had uh, so far. And I, I thought I thought it was really really beautiful. And that lovely scene where he's trying to grab the pox from Peter when he's out of his body and his arms are moving because of his spider sense. And he's like, "How are you doing that?" And it's it's really good. And one of the best parts of this movie for me is where when they're in the mirror dimension and and Peter realizes that you know. The magic is is kind of like science and maths. It's, it's geometry. I think he says he goes. I'm good at geometry, and I think that is such a Peter Parker thing. Using his nerdisms to and his his geekiness and his brain power to fix issues. And I think we don't see enough of that from from Peter Parker's in any iteration of, of movies. And I think I think it, it's great that we're starting to see that. I mean, obviously we do get it in 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 bits and bobs, but I think throughout this movie we do see a lot of it. And I think that's really good because that. Peter Parker at his core, while he is a superhero, he's also 
a genius. And I think that's often forgotten because of his superpowers. So it, it is really good to see that. And obviously he locks Doctor Strange <laughs> in the mirror dimension and, and leaves him. And he takes a sling wing as well, which is obviously going to be something we talk about later on. Um, so gets him out of the cage and then takes him to Happy Hogan's apartment. Um, I just just love that <laughs> the moment where they're all in there. And Octavius is like really against the whole thing. Um, and he's like, he's going to kill us all. He's going to kill us all. But he's the first one to be cured. And then, you know, you have that lovely line. There's so many... People will call it fan service. But I think because now you've got to realise that these, you know, the other two films, that they're not... I don't think they're technically part of the MCU. Like the other iterations of Spider-Man in terms of Raimi and the Amazing Spider-Man series. They're not part of the MCU as such, but they're now, you know, because we've had the villains there... It's not fan service, it's a throwback. It's like where we had on your left when the rest of the Avengers are snapped back into existence in Endgame. It's it's a throwback. It's it it is kind of fan service, but it, it serves the plot. And you get that lovely line where Dr. Octavius says, Dear boy, to Peter, and it's just, it, it really hits a core. And then, you know, Peter's going around curing everyone really again showing his genius and you know you've got that that line back in the sectorial which is fan service but uh where osborne says i'm a bit of a scientist myself you know absolute meme but again it fits it fits what the character would say you know uh and it's it it's all you've one thing this film really does it it does make you feel sad it makes you feel emotion but it also gives you a pang of like sadness when you know, you see Osborne and Peter getting on so well, and he says, you know, if you can ever commute to uh, different universes, you've got a job with me. And it, it's so sad because, you know, Norman is cool. He's, he's a nice guy. He's a good man. He's a smart man. And, it, you know, what what he did to himself out of desperation, you know, back to formula, it just, it, it just, it, it, it makes you realise how sad it is that, he, you know, he had to go down that route and you can see why, especially when he's at, you know, he is Norman and when you see the other villains acting nice, it, you can see why Peter wants to help them. Um, yeah, so obviously Mysterio, uh, sorry, Mysterio, Electro is getting, starting to get cured and, oh, it, you can see, you can tell something's coming. You can tell something's coming. I mean, Mysterio's got. Um, I keep saying Mysterio. Sorry, uh, Electro. You you keep you see him getting itchy. He's like, oh, I don't know. I don't like. This doesn't feel right. And Sandman saying, no, no, it's fine. Like he's like probably the most level out of them all. He's like, no, I just want to go home. Just want to see my daughter. I don't care. He's probably the one who would benefit most from from you know not having his powers because he just wants to go back. Like you know, his wife doesn't want to see him. Why is like the Sandman? Cause he's a monster. His kid will probably be scared of him. He wants to just get back to how things were. And you can't blame him for that, you know. And it's such so. It, this film's so true to all the characters, and I love it. And then you get that beautiful scene where you know pretty much all the kills are done. They're all about you know very close to being sorted, and you have that moment where Peter's spider sense starts going off. May shouldn't be in the apartment, by the way. Why he keeps her there with all the villains, despite the fact that he thinks they're good, it, it is just dangerous. And you have that moment where the goblin starts to take over Osborne again, and it's it's so ominous. It's so beautiful. And you're just seeing the acting from Tom Holland in this scene is is just perfect. Like you can see him trying to figure out who is it, who, who who's who's about who's about a turn, and he shoots the web at Osborne, and all of a sudden 
you see that turn and Defoe is just so good. He turns and he mocks Spider-Man and he's saying, you know, we are gods. Why do we need to change? We we should be ruling. And, you know, obviously Electro agrees with him. Sandman, don't know whether he agrees with him or not, but he kind of just leaves. But then there's that fight scene between, you know, Octavius gets blasted out by Electro. Electro leaves, Sandman leaves, and then you've got the fight scene between Osborne and Spider-Man, and it's brutal. And one thing that was really cool, I think everyone knows this by now, but, you know, um, Willem Dafoe was very much like, you know, I want to be part of the action, I want to do it. It feels genuine that way. And, you know, if it is him doing a lot of these stunts, fair play to him, because he's, he's not a young lad, and he's, he's just, it's just so, so good, man. So, so good. And the, the, ba- the battle scenes between them two when you know they're flying through the different floors may's trying to leave and it made me laugh where you know obviously the the goblin sabotaged his cure but that moment where may tries to stick the cure into him he's like doesn't work and i i would have loved it at that moment i mean i know this is fan service but it would have been great if he did say at that point he turned around and was like back to formula <laughs> but again the glider comes down may stood there and it's 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 you know it's kind of imagery from the original spider-man where the glider impales may she hits the deck and you know goblin leaves blowing up some stuff the police or whoever it is they're coming to arrest spider-man there happy turns up and then may may seems okay and then she dies and it's just i think that really really cut cut me i mean there was there was tears in the cinema when i was there. i mean i didn't cry actually at this film which is strange because i'm a crier and that moment where she's dying and it you know she's still she, she delivers i can't remember if it's then or if it's just before she dies but she delivers the uncle bell and uncle ben line the you know with great power comes great responsibility and that was peter's moment that's you know i think one thing we've got to realize of these three films like the like the, this trilogy within the mcu for for tom holland spider-man is this is this three these three films are all his origin like he as a group, it, we didn't think we were getting another Spider-Man origin story, but we've had one. Like this is the development of Peter Parker and Spider-Man into the the Peter and Parker and Spider-Man that we know so well from comics, series, and other films. And I feel that you know they've done it done it so well. And that scene, the acting from both from Marissa Tomei and from from uh, Tom Holland is just so emotive. The score throughout the movie is stunning. Really adds to the film and just the way it's shot and like the the, the things that Peter is saying. He's like, no, no, May, wake up, wake up. And it's like almost reminds me a bit of the Lion King where you know uh, Mufasa dies, but it it it's what the kid would say, you know. And it, it's 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 the moment that he needs to kind of become the person who he's meant to become. And it, it it's it's so sad and it's meaningful and you know obviously he disappears off then. Um, at that point we don't know where Peter is, but obviously he's not in a good way. We then go back to MJ and Ned who are at his grandma's house, and they're thinking we need to find where Peter is. We you know obviously they've heard that there's been a death at the apartment block, um, and. This bit's a bit annoying because I'd heard a spoiler. Myself and Ben, uh, who's been on the podcast previously, who started with me, we both had heard a rumor that Ned was going to be the one to 
bring the other two Spider-Men into the film. Obviously, we didn't know it was going to be that they were already in the universe and the, in, in on Earth, this Earth, and be just kind of portaled into the room. But we'd heard that, and I was kind of like, oh. out of all the ways they could have done it, I feel like it made most sense for where they put themselves in the film in terms of the plot. But it just didn't. It, it didn't sit quite right that he was just able to do magic when Doctor Strange had to be put pushed to the very limits uh, of survival to be able to create the portal in Doctor Strange. And he's meant to be the best of us, as um, the Ancient One tells us in in, in Endgame. So I, it just didn't quite sit right. But that moment, man, when Ned opens the porthole and you turn, and like I instantly recognised it as Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. I've got to admit, I am like... Andrew Garfield, for me, is the best Peter Parker and the best Spider-Man. Um, I feel like it wasn't his fault he was given a shitty, shitty script. Um, but I think he, he was perfect for the role, and he loved doing the role. Obviously, he wouldn't have come back otherwise. Uh, obviously, when he's got a part to do with it, but that, let's not bother with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that moment, and obviously, I'm from England. English people are quite reserved within crowds. We're not like you Americans who go out and scream and jump around. I mean, I don't think I could deal with that in the cinema. I'd be very annoyed because I'd miss certain parts of the plot. But you guys are crazy. Um, but yeah, we e even in my cinema, there was a big, like... Uh, I'm, sorry, I'm trying to figure how, how, how understated the British are because it was almost like a bit of a gasp, like, oh my, <laughs> when he turns up and he takes a mask off and, you know, it, it's perfect. And MJ and Ned are very suspicious of him because he's like, I don't carry around ID with me. And like, he does the fingertip thing to the roof and calls and gets rid of some cobwebs in the corner. And it's just, it's so funny. And he's, you know, he has the same energy as when he was, when he was there, you know, in, in Amazing Spider-Man. But he's in, he's in a good film and it makes a whole lot of difference. Because I think you're seeing on social media, everyone loves Andrew Garfield. The minute there's cries for him to get an Amazing Spider-Man 3, which I really hope happens. Um with Tom Hardy's Venom, I think that could be a really cool storyline, but uh, it, it was just so nice to see him back and see him in a good movie that, you know, in the Spider-Man So, And then, obviously, they're still trying to get Peter Parker to come back again. They turn around, and this time it's Toby in his youth pastor outfit. <laughs> um, but, again, Toby was probably, is probably my least favourite Spider-Man. I don't think the films that he was in hold of as much, but I've got to admit, seeing him back, it was like, oh, this, this is the guy. And, you know, again, he was, he played the part so well. Um, he played it as he should have done because he's obviously a lot more mature at the point in time when this is happening. And it, he, he, he played this part really well. He was almost like the the Uncle Ben of the group in a way. Um, he, he's, he's been through it all. He's seen it all. He's a lot further on than Andrew Garfield Spider-Man is in terms of emotionally and de developmentally. And obviously he's a lot older. But... It, it it wasn't it was I was really kind of curious as to how the dynamic would be between all the Spider Men in in this film because I thought you know it could be a bit weird because they're all very different tonally but they all played off each other fantastically and they clearly were having a good time and they clearly all respect each other which they've they've said many a time in the media but it was really nice really nice to see that. Um, but yes, yeah, so then Peter turned, you know, Peter, 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 upon Peter two, Peter three, they all turn up. Uh, well, let's say the two Spider-Man turn up, and then 
they're like, right, we're going to have to go feed Peter. And then they discuss, you know, it's a place where he goes where it's like, you know, he gets away from it. And then they have the Chrysler building, the Empire State building, because it's a better view, apparently. Uh, I've only ever been up the Empire State, Empire State building, so I can't tell you what the view from the Chrysler building's like. But Empire State building view is quite good, I've got to admit. Um, I'm with Andrew on that one. But, yeah, so they, they go and find uh, Tom Spider-Man. And obviously, that moment where Ned and, and MJ just hug Pete, Peter, uh Tom's Peter, that is, uh, obviously, because Aunt May's just died, and that scene of emotion is just so real, and it's what it's what your friends would do. And I, I was actually watching um, Ned during that bit because I think I think he's always kind of annoyed me a bit in the other films. I, I think he's meant to be that kind of character, but I thought in this film he, he was good despite being able to use magic with no training. Um, it's it, it just him hugging on and the wall crying. It was it was beautiful, and I love how they didn't just bring the Spider Man in straight away. They kind of they're like, we, there's there's people here to see you, and that scene where they come down, you see the silhouettes and they web down. Oh, it, it's perfect. And then there's that moment where they're on about, and they all realize they've all had that line: great power, great responsibility. And there's the emotion in this film. Like I said, it, it is amazing. They really play on it with Andrew's Spider-Man, which I think was the obvious thing to do because that's the kind of Spider-Man he was given. He was given the guy who had to deal with this emotional stuff and it wasn't a campy universe. It was a very serious universe. And he's clearly still not over Gwen. And he's saying, I've, you know, Uncle B obviously lost Uncle Ben and the big thing for Peter, Toby's Peter, was losing Uncle Ben. That was big for Andrew, but it was Gwen and you can see and he was like, I kind of know what you're going through. And Tom's like, no, you don't, you don't know what I'm going through. And I love that moment where Andrew's explaining. He's like, I, I, you know, at first I just carried on and then I got bitter. I stopped pulling my punches. And I was like, that is key because Spider-Man is capable of so much more, but he pulls his punches. And I think that that bit's key for Tom's development as well because he's like, listen, like, I get it because I've been in that point where I let the anger take over me. I started doing this, but... I had to stop because it just wasn't good. And obviously, the reason I think it, it'll be great for Andrew to get another film is because he's clearly not done with that development. There's still obviously the issue there that he's still not over Gwen, and I feel like there's stuff that could be done with that. And I feel like he he was just brilliant throughout this film. But the moments between Spider-Man, they all go then to try and get the cure, and they're all talking to each other. And I was really hoping this was going to be a bit, and it was where they're discussing the you know the the organic web shooters compared to the mechanical ones that Andrew and Tom have. And it was just so good where they're all, and again, it's something that we hadn't seen the other two Spider-Man do that much, but we get the real nerd part of it. We get the scientist, Peter Parker, we get it times three and it's fantastic. And you get that scene where the Ned's asking the other two about the best friend and they're like, yeah, we've, we've both had that. <laughs> Ned kind of backs off from Peter, uh, Tom Holland's, I keep saying Peter, Peter 1, Peter 2, Peter 3, and he backs off from there, and it's, I think it's done so well, and it, it you would be like that, you'd be like, oh, I might need to get away from this bugger if he's going to get me, if he's going to get me killed, and obviously, again, it, it, it's quite accurate where, you know, he's like, I wonder if his other Ned leads is, and he's like, in other instances of the comics stuff, he becomes Hobgoblin, I believe, so I think it's quite clever how they do that, and, you know, he, he had the potential he could potentially turn bad and become that um i think when he lost a load of weight people were starting to debate oh are they preparing for this role but we don't know and they all they all make the cures 
And uh, again, we get Jay Jonah again. He re-rings him up and has a conversation. He's like, yeah, come meet me at the Empire State Building. Not the Empire State Building, Statue of Liberty, which is now a Captain America statue. Um, which, I mean, people don't seem to be very happy with it uh, in, 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 the, in the film. And, I, and to be honest with you, I'm, I'm with you. It's an ugly addition to the statue. Uh, especially such an iconic landmark. I think you could just build another one with Captain America. You don't need... To do that, but there we go. Uh, I digress. Um, they all lure the people to the Statue of Liberty, and the Peters all have fights. And you know, it's it, it, the fight, just the fight scenes with, with the Spider Men all together, and like the moments like where you know, he's like, Andrew's like, I love you guys, and they're hugging. It's just, it's so brilliant. Don't I feel like it's the one thing I would say is strange that do it. For a scene that's a fight scene, there was a distinct lack of action. Lack of action, but I think it's just because they wanted to get more dialogue in with all the Spider-Man because they're they're in it for a lot more time than I thought they were going to be in it. But I feel that they basically were like, "Yeah, we want to have more dialogue than fighting," which was fine. But they they eventually cure it all, cure all the people. Uh, you have that moment with Octavius where you think where he kind of plays a double agent, says, "Ah, oh, I'm going to do this," and then he, he cures. Electro, which who is at that point the biggest issue really? He's the most powerful one there, I believe, at the time. Um, but he cures him, and then you have that moment with 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 Toby and uh, Toby and Doc Ock, where he's like, he's like Peter, and he's like, he's like, how you doing, dear boy? And he's like, I'm trying to do better. And I was just like, that's such a good throwback again. Not fan service. This is a throwback because in this universe, those films now exist. So it, it isn't just fan service. That is that is great, great writing in my opinion. And they're trying to do better, but it's like, you know, it's from that scene where they're having dinner. I think everyone will know in Spider Man Two, and he's like, he's like, I'm trying to do better, and he was like, uh, Connors tells me you're lazy, and it, it's just it's such a good throwback. And he's like, you've all grown up, and it's such a good good scene. Like, you know, with it being Holland's film, I think I was kind of worried that we might forget Tom. In, in these moments, but it doesn't distract from it. It's just a perfect addition. And I think one thing you've got to ask yourself, like, had these other two Spider-Men not been in this film, would it have been a good film? And it would have been. And I, and I feel like, you know, all the bits, they don't really distract from it too much. Apart from when, obviously, Sandman and Connors are cured, it's clearly, you know, not footage of them from the actual films from another film. But apart from that, like, nothing really distracts from, from, from the plot. And then we get that moment where... Doc, you know, everyone is like, right, okay, Doc, uh, Doctor Strange kind of comes back. He's got the box. He's like, right, I'm going to send them back now. And he's like, he's actually curing them. He's curing them. And he's like, fuck, I'm going to send them back anyway because this has gone on for too long. They're starting to come through. We need to get rid of it. And then Green Goblin flies in. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Before he flies in. Oh, is it after? I can't remember. But yeah, Kirk Connors basically causes a load of issues, chases MJ, and then there's a moment where MJ falls. And... Tom can't get to him. And there's that moment where Andrew sees her fallen and it's Gwen all over again and he's learnt his lesson this time. He doesn't shoot his web. He catches her. And there's that moment at the bottom of the thing and he's like, are you okay? And he starts crying. And I was like, it's, you know, everyone kind of suspected that was going to happen from the trailers anyway, but the the just the emotional payoff in this film, it, it, it's accurate to the characters 
and it's it's wonderful and i feel like I, you know you, you just hope that 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 moment there has kind of helped helped andrew spider-man kind of feel somewhat redeemed um he saved he saved someone he saved a peter parker's love interest uh rather than killed her or allowed her to die depending on what side of the coin you fall on um but yeah so goblin flies in tickles dr strange as he puts the bomb in the box blows up the box and then Doctor Strange has got to contain this, contain all the people starting to come through, and some of the people you see starting to come through in the port in like the kind of break of the multiverse. I think you see Craven, definitely see Rhino. Um, there's a few others there, but obviously we don't see them. I'm sure once the film comes out on digital release and DVD, we'll probably have someone who breaks every second down so we can see exactly who's coming through. Uh, but yeah, it's really cool. And then we have the big big fight scene between peter and goblin and it's yeah you know, it's just it's such a good fight because throughout this film like willem dafoe i said is, is amazing like the moment where he's getting punched in the building by peter and he's just grinning maniacally at him, it, it's fantastic but then he's taunting peter about aunt may die and he and he's like, i'm gonna kill you he's like good uh, it, it's just it's it's so so well done and the fight scene's brilliant um, the action in that scene is excellent, and you can see at that point, as Andrew had said, Peter is Tom Holland's Peter isn't pulling any punches; he is levering. Poor Goblin, uh, and he lifts up the glider. He's about to kill him, and you see Andrew and Toby Spider Man are like, right, okay, we've got to do something. We've got to intervene. We can't let him do it. And Toby stops him. Andrew holds him back as well, um, and he's like, come on. Like you know, this isn't this isn't the way. We need you know we got to cure all of them, and then there's that moment where Goblin, being Goblin, stabs Toby in the back, even though his spider sense didn't sense it. Um, I know the spider sense with Spider Man isn't is always something of a bit of a plot issue because it doesn't always work. I mean, if it was to work 100% of the time, 100% accurately, Spider-Man should never technically get an injury because he should always see something coming, so he should be able to do something to get out of the way. But I feel like, you know, that moment, they were just very much, we need him to get stabbed, so we're going to stab him. And then everyone thinks, you know, Toby's dying and there's all sadness, but then Andrew throws over the cure to Peter, Toby. Uh, oh, my God, there's so many Peter Parkers. There's too many Peter Parkers, God damn it. And he throws over the cure and obviously cures Norman and Norman's back and he's like what have I done and it's like oh you go back to feeling sorry for him again the way I did anyway I suppose put some people who are big fans of Toby might not have couldn't understand why he did just stab him <laughs> but I look there was that you know what I love about the scenes with like the to uh, Toby and Andrew is like just the humor of it and he's like he's like are you all right he goes yeah I've been stabbed before he goes you're in a lot of pain. He goes, oh, you, you have no idea. <laughs> and then like the back cracking scene as well, where Toby's like, oh, I think it's the web swing. It's my back. And he goes, do you want me to crack it for you? It's just, it's, it's so perfect. And like, it's the Marvel humor done right, but it also fits the characters from their films as well. Like they, they just get Spider-Man in this film. Um, But then Dr. Strange is struggling. You know, he says, cause the box is gone now. He goes, they're all coming through. He goes, I can't stop it. And, Tom's like, well, if everyone just forgets who Peter Parker is, if he's no longer in existence, will that stop him? And Doctor Strange is like, yeah, yeah, will. So they they do that, and then everyone forgets Peter Parker. The people stop coming through. The other Spider Men go, 
if villains all go back to their respective universe, I mean, some of them might just die anyway because we don't know exactly what point. Imagine if Norman's cured and he goes back to to the Raimi's universe as the glider's about to hit him and he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> That'd be a bit of a nightmare, but there we go. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things and I think this, is, this was always going to cause people picking apart the plot because they're like, well... What about all the physical media of Peter Parker? Like, is that just disappearing as well? All the video footage, text details about him, everyone's going to forget. And it's like, why are you looking that much into it? Like, we literally just had people dressed as spiders zipping around the Statue of Liberty. Realistically, you got to take it at face value. If, if the existence of, of Peter Parker gets wiped, then we have to accept that the Peter of the existence of Peter Parker has gone. If you're digging into it, looking for potholes, you'll find some because they don't need to answer that. They've already said the existence of Peter Parker will be, you know, wiped from everyone's memory. You've just got to assume that it's wiped from everything. Saying like, oh well, it could be, you know, there's newspaper newspaper articles with them on it. It's like, well, just don't don't be that dull. Like, don't be that dull. Use your head and think that obviously it's going to be a blanket over everything. Like, you know. There was one thing that I did hear where people were like, well, why didn't Tom just stay with Zendaya and, uh, sorry, well, MJ and Ned and just, like, explain straight away once they forgot and said, listen, because obviously they remember Spider-Man, that he could just say, listen, I'm Spider-Man, I'm your boyfriend, blah, 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 which I think maybe they could have done, but I think for the true development of the character in Tom's Spider-Man, they needed him to be forgotten because he needs to make that choice later on when he goes into the cafe where he's practicing whether or not he's going to tell them. He needs to have that moment where he says, you know, the whole thing about Spider-Man's conflict is whether or not he wants his loved ones to be, you know, in danger. And I think the need to do accept, you know, he needs to accept that, you know, maybe at some point he might get with them, but it's not right now. I mean, Toby's, Toby's Peter made something happen. He said, we worked it out. It was difficult, but we worked it out. And I feel that, Tom needs to find that that balance. He needs to be Spider-Man, the real Spider-Man for a bit. And obviously, at the end, we see him. He's made... He's no longer Stark Boy Jr., for those who call him that. He's made his own suit. He hasn't got the Stark tech. He's, you know, it's that glossy. It's beautiful. And he goes out doing some web swinging. And, you know, there's a lot of talk whether or not Tom Holland's going to continue because of him saying, oh, I might want to take a break from acting. I don't think he will. Uh, he's got at least one other film to do. Uh, on his contract which you know that isn't his choice that is ultimately Sony's choice whether they want him to do it or not I hope it's from the MCU I hope they do another trilogy with him uh, we see Peter Parker actually at college because you see him he's doing his, his GED I think that's what you call it in America um, because obviously there's no documentation of him and you know there's going to be a lot of things that people could pick apart and say well what about this what about his ID How, what about his birth all this kind of stuff it's in a world where there's superheroes. Like, literally, that can be... Stuff like that will be done quite easily, especially for someone who's got legit super scientist brain level and superpowers. Like, he'll be fine. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much the end of the film. We've got the post-credit scenes where Tom Hardy, who should have been the sixth member of the Sinister Six, is just in a bar drunk all the time, which I think is quite in character for him, uh, but it leaves a bit of the symbiote behind, which would be cool because I feel that, like, you know... I feel like the logical next steps would be for that to attach to Flash. Uh, he's obsessed with Spider-Man. 
And I think it would make sense for them to go down that route. Um, if they do, they, they could go a completely different route with the symbiote. Um, I think it's cool that, you know, that is now in the MCU. You know, that, that means the symbiote is now in the MCU. There's a lot, you know, maybe some stuff that Sony's saying, right, okay, Marvel, you can you can have a bit of this, have a bit of our, our stuff. So in future films, you can give us some more of that nice dollar dollar. Um, but yeah, I think... I've probably missed a load of stuff out. I've seen the film twice. I would have seen it more, but obviously being in the hospital, I've not been able to. I I love this film, man. I I just I think it was funny when it needs to be. Apart from those two jokes I mentioned, the character development is fantastic. Um, the film doesn't pull as punches as Spider Man does. Like the emotional moments, like the moment where you know they're all saying goodbye to each other when they're about to forget who Peter Parker is, Ned and and. Peter and MJ, it's it, it's emotional, and the score at that moment is so so beautiful as well. Just like when Aunt May dies, um, and you have that heart wrenching scene of where Happy stood at, you know, at the gravestone of May, and he's like, "How do you know?" And he's like, "Through Spider Man." Another way to show that Spider Man. People were getting confused saying, "Oh, people forget Spider Man." And like, no, like they've literally told you, like they know Spider Man, they remember their interactions with Spider Man, they just don't remember Peter Parker, like he's gone um but yeah i think it's just so many good moments in this movie if you, you know if you haven't seen it you've listened to this i don't know why but go and see it um i i'm counting down the days until i can be able to walk to get to a cinema to be able to watch this again i'm counting down the days until this comes out on dvd because i'm gonna wear that disc fin uh i'm so excited if i have missed anything or there's anything you want to add to what i've said obviously we're going to be doing Another episode where the rest of the lads discuss it. We'll have a few talks about the rest of the movies we've seen that year as well. Get in touch with us. Pick and Mix at Pick and Mix Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We've got the Facebook page as well. Get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts of anything that I've missed out here. Because obviously I was just going off the notes that I'd made on the plot. You know, plot. So if there's stuff I've missed out that I've forgotten about, get in touch and let me know. Um, hit us up on Twitter on the podcast episode tweet and we and we can have a discussion we'll bring it up in the next episode i really hope you guys enjoyed the episode it's the first one i've ever done by myself so i apologize if it's a bit bit rusty or awkward i'm just getting used to doing this if you like it i might do more in the future um again i apologize for the lack of humor i'm not as funny as i think i am but um yeah i've really enjoyed doing this one weirdly but hope you guys like it as well. As I said, we'll get the other guys on soon. Um, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you get all our notifications and downloads when, whenever the next episode comes out. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you for the support. Love ya. Peace. <laughs>